Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man Podcast, presented by the New York Post, a show where we cover trends in fashion, entertainment, current events, and everything in between. Shout out to the audience. We've only had a couple of episodes. We have a five-star rating. So right now, I'm checking out customer reviews, Apple Podcasts. That didn't stop Martha's Vineyard Dave from reaching out. What up, though? Well done, brother. Keep doing what you're doing. Peace. That's love. Big shout, Dave. Thank you for the five stars. How about Air Magnos? Jalen will always give the people what they want. That's a J&J listener right there, fully supporting the new pod. And Corey Eshan is down with us. Jalen is the guy to keep it real all of the time. Subscribe. You won't be disappointed. And for those new to the podcast space, I'm the first former athlete to ever have a podcast. This ain't my first year. This ain't my second year. This ain't my third year. Ten years in the podcast game. So you know we're going to deliver with the Renaissance Man. In this week's episode, we continue to bring the heat. And this young lady continues to be an anchor in the industry that I feel like people need to start giving her the credit she deserves for her longevity and also her versatility as an entrepreneur. And Angela Yee is in the Radio Hall of Fame. Each episode, while we're here to entertain and inform We always want to try to make sure we personalize a message that you can not only digest, but share. This week's show is about fear. It can present itself in many ways, psychologically, emotionally, physically. How do you deal with it? Can it be a roadblock in accomplishing what you've always wanted to do? And here's my ultimate circumstance of fear. On September 3rd, 2002, Jalen was driving a silver Bentley drop top in Los Angeles on Sunset Boulevard, and I stopped at a light at Barrington. That's in Bel Air, everyone. And my brother from another mother, his name is Rory Scott. And so we're at the Sunset Room, and a couple of things happened at kind of threw me off my normal planning about how I move when I go out. I'm a tipper. So when I go to a restaurant, I'm tipping the chefs, waitresses, and just just what I do. The valet also is one of those people I normally take care of so that my ride could be right in the front when it was time to be out. Sometimes those valet drivers, they're actually in contact with the stick-up boys. Finally got the car. Boom, jump in the car. Headed up Sunset, stop at the light, corner of Sunset and Barrington. I look to my right, red Cadillac Escalade. I see the dome light pop on. Then I look again, and I see two people sitting in the front. And then all of a sudden, I realized that there was somebody sitting in the back who was sitting behind the passenger. Get out of the car. And he started pointing a nine millimeter at Riz and I. As I saw the gun move a little bit in his hand, I hit the gas. I was really familiar, even though it was 3 a.m. in the morning and it was dark, 
where I was on this two lane street because I needed to slouch down as low as I could because it seems like he was shooting the gun forever. Pow, 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 pow. And I just remember thinking, how many times can someone shoot a gun? And I look over to my right and Riz is bleeding. The car was shot nine times. And one of those bullets went through the headrest of the passenger seat, hit Riz in his cheek, and the bullet is still stuck in his neck to this day. He didn't die. The fear of seeing a news report on television that said you got killed while your childhood friend is currently in the hospital getting surgery after a vehicle we were driving got hit nine times. How did that change me afterwards? Initially, that fear, I couldn't go anywhere without a gun or security or both. But then that fear and paranoia propelled me in a different way to want to be a multimedia personality, an entrepreneur. You know why? I felt like these were borrowed days. So when people say appreciate today for what it is, I'm actually doing that. Jalen Rose, welcome to the latest edition of the Renaissance Man podcast. And today we have the honor to interview one of my favorite people in the industry. Not only is this young lady intelligent and talented and a tastemaker, but also she's an entrepreneur. She has her own business in Brooklyn, a juice bar. I know you're doing big real estate things all across the country, including in Detroit. You also represent one third of the world's most dangerous breakfast club show in the AM 6 to 10. Please welcome Angela Yee. <laughs> Thank you, Jalen. That was an amazing introduction. And I'm excited to be here with you because I saw all the other guests you've been having. So I'm like, okay, this is dope <laughs> that I even fit into this lineup. Thanks for the love. So first and foremost, I know when you do these interviews as somebody that works with so many people, it's like being a part of a group. People always ask you about those other people. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to ask you about Charlemagne, my brother. I'm going to ask you about Envy, my brother. But guess what? I want to learn more about you on this podcast, kind of like you do when you have people come on lip service. You really drill them down. <laughs> Make sure that we get a chance to learn who they are. So for those that don't know, how did you get into the industry? So, well, you know, I'm from Brooklyn and I think just at a young age, I just was around a lot of different people. So, and Brooklyn music was just so big for us in New York, just growing up. And when I went to college, I did a lot of internships and I think internships are so important. And so when I was in college, I interned for one that was really big was Wu-Tang and Wu-Tang management. And I remember it was my, I had one more year left. And they were like, oh, you should just not go back to school and come work here. And I was like, no, I'm going to finish out this last year <laughs> and then we'll see what happens. And, you know, when I graduated, I had like these grand visions in my head of I was going to be a writer and a photographer and just have like this real fun life where I just work on my own time. I was like, I'll get a nine to five and then I'll do those things. It is just I did a nine to five for like three days and then I quit. 
And I was like, I can't take it. I hate it. And um, I ended up going to visit the Wu-Tang office and it was the same day they were doing a summer jam. And they were like, come with us to summer jam. We've been trying to find you. This is when people didn't have like cell phones and all of that. So they didn't even, they were like, we were trying to get your number. We wanted to find you to ask you if you wanted to come work here. And so I just started working there like that day. So working for the Wu-Tang Clan and closely connected with them, I'll never forget the first time I was at a hip-hop shop in Detroit on Seven Mile, and I heard Protect Your Neck. And then I came to the New York and realized that y'all had been listening to that for almost a year. Yeah. So what was this like growing <laughs> up in Brooklyn, being affiliated with the Wu-Tang Clan, and seeing hip-hop continuing to elevate via a group like that? Man, I remember the first time I heard Protection Neck and the first time I heard Method Man. And it was like a more like a pirate radio station. I'm trying, this one, we used to have cassettes and like you would tape off the radio onto a cassette because that was the only way you would be able to hear it. And everybody was like, who are these people? And when their first album came out, remember all the skits that were on it? People weren't even used to that. So that was a big deal. That's when people would go to the store the day an album was coming out. You know, and we don't have that experience. Like kids growing up today will never have that experience of you like going the day of album jobs to the store to physically buy something. And then you read the liner notes to see like who's on the album, who got thanked and you hoping. To <laughs> so I just remember those uh, good old days. But at first, when I went to go work at Wu-Tang as an intern, I was a little apprehensive because they had like a wild reputation. And so my friend was actually friends with someone who was working there. He was like, no, you should go. I told them you were coming. Just do the interview. And I was like, "Okay." And they were actually the opposite of what you would think. Like they were very protective of me as a woman and super respectful. The only person that would say wild things was old dirty bastard. But (laughs) that's just who he was. You know what I'm saying? Like he would just say, well, and we would just be like, all right, whatever. He would never you never felt like he was going to do anything or he meant it. He just said wild things all the time. And I think, you know, they are very gentlemanly just as far as you think about when from the outside looking in, I was like, they're so wild. I don't know if I'll be okay working there. But when you go in there, you really feel like family. Like if somebody steps out of line or says something wild, I know they'll always have your back. I love the Wu-Tang Clan. They're the most innovative group in the history of rap music. Anytime you could give a microphone to more than five people, and we know who they are, and we fall in love with them individually, it's something outstanding only NWA can boast having. With that being said, I'm going to name a couple of Wu-Tang members. And please tell me what comes to your mind, your favorite song, your favorite moment when I mention Method Man. Oh, man, Method Man. I think first thing I think of is Red Man, because that was like his other partner outside the group, uh, Biggie. Because obviously Met the Man and Biggie had a good synergy. Mary J. Blige. And right now, Power Book, too, because everybody's been watching him on there. And he had a sex scene last week. I was like, <laughs> oh, my God, I can't look at this. <laughs> right. It felt like watching your brother naked, huh? I've never seen him in that character. And I was like, ah, oh, turn it off. <laughs> How about my brother, who I'm rocking a half moon Caesar to represent his 20-year anniversary for Cuban links, Raekwon the Chef. Man, Raekwon the Chef, the purple tapes. You know, he's amazing. Like, the classic, classic, classic. And I think of Ghostface. Whenever I think about Raekwon, I think about Ghostface also. Ghostface killer. Mm-hmm. Continues to spit bars. What about the guy that we mentioned? Shame on you, ODB. <laughs> Man, his stories are the craziest. I'm trying to think of something I could say on here. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when I used to work in the office, he used to call there all the time and ask for petty cash. 
And I was like, Dirty, we do not just have petty cash laying around the office. I don't know what you think this is. And he'll be like, I need to go to the doctor. I need some petty cash now. Like I got into a fight. Somebody broke my jaw. I remember he said that one time. Yeah. And he was like, I need some cash. I have to go to a doctor. And the way the office was is I had two bosses, right? Divine, who was Riz's brother, and Riza. And so it would always be opposite things. Divine was like, do not give him any money. And then Riza would call and be like, cut a check and just sign my name. And so <laughs> it's like, I don't know who I listen to. <laughs> Big shout to the Riza. And that was the last person I was going to ask you about because I've seen how groups aren't as prevalent anymore. And a lot of it has to do with the business. And he was put in a unique spot not only for production standpoint, but also a leadership standpoint, because he was the person to help, as they say, the Wu-Tang form like Voltron. So what do you remember about working with the RZA? The RZA, I think he was always very serious. Like he'll have jokes on the low though, but on the exterior, he's like an intimidating type of person until you get to know him. And he's actually really cool and super talented. And so I just think he had the idea, right? They got this boom mansion in Jersey. And so his idea was, this is a mansion. All the guys get their own room. They help pay, like they pay every month, whatever, for whatever room they have. And then anybody could just come there and work anytime they wanted. So his whole life was just always about work. And he also was always very, as he calls himself, Bobby Digital. So he was always having to set up meetings with like people who had all this new technology just so he could be up on it first. Oh, that's dope. That's intelligent. So now working for The Breakfast Club, the show comes on at 6 a.m. Eastern. And there's so many people across the country that would love to have your job. But can you talk about some of the sacrifices that come with working that schedule? Yeah, waking up early is tough every single day. I mean, I wake up an hour later now since we're working from home, but we're supposed to be back in the office actually like now. (laughs) And so it's just hard. Like waking up early, it does kill your social life a lot. And a lot of things you might want to do. Like I could be having a time of my life out one night and I'm like, damn, I got to get up early. I need to go home. And I do a lot of show prep. So I'm always doing show prep early. And because we're also on Revolt TV in the morning, I have to be there earlier than everybody because I have to get my makeup done and all of that. So it's just a big sacrifice when it comes to your social life. And then even traveling, because it's important for us. We can travel because we're syndicated and go to different markets and do our show from there. But I think they really appreciate when we're in the studio together more and be able to do interviews together. So a lot of times you sacrifice being able to like travel and go places and do things. And when we first started, I feel like, you know, we went so hard. There were a lot of things that I missed that I wish I would have been able to be there for like other obligations or uh, things like that. Now we have a lot more leeway as far as what we can do, but you know, it's still like our main priority. See, we've been doing this a long time and it was pre YouTube, pre social media. I think the thing that has changed for celebrities and public figures, they understand that criticism comes with being a celebrity. Mm -hmm. It's not personal when I report something that you did and get (laughs) my opinion on it. So what is that delicate balance for you? And give me an example of a person like I've had to do so many times, talk about former teammates and current teammates, of a person that you had to cover something that they did, but it made you feel a little bit uncomfortable because of your personal relationship with them. It might be somebody like, like recently Trey Songs, right? And 
he was in the news and they were saying some things about him. And, you know, women have said things about Trey Songz. Now, I personally have never seen him, you know, acting that way. He's always been really respectful whenever I've been around him or been places with him and like loves his fans and his Trey's angels. But then when you hear those things, it's like, how do I report on this? Because I also never want to discount a woman's story at the same time. And, you know, sometimes people are different when you're not around and treat pe different people differently. And I take that into consideration too. Cause I tell people all the time, I never seen that person act like that. And they'll be like, well, you're you, and they're not going to do that around you. So sometimes you feel like I know this person, but then it's hard to say they wouldn't have done that. Cause you can't say what somebody would or wouldn't do. Totally agree. I want to also make sure I acknowledge, and I said it at the introduction, your entrepreneurial spirit. Tell us about the Juice Bar and BK. Oh, and I have more exciting news for you because I'm opening a business in Detroit. And That's you're going to love this. <laughs> you know that. But yes, I have my Juice Bar in Brooklyn, and I'm partners with Styles P. And I'm DJ Envy on that juice bar. And the juice bar has been doing well during the pandemic. So we're grateful for that. And for all our employees that have really stepped up to make sure they're at the juice bar working and being safe and holding it down for members in our community. I also have a press juice business and it's called Drink Fest Juice. I had launched it and then we went through some like management changes. And so now it's relaunching in two weeks. And then I started a coffee company. Also, and that just happened. We did a soft launch, the official, like everything is available November 3rd, right after the election, but it's called Coffee Uplifts People Cup. And we did it through Brooklyn Roasting. So that's my latest venture. And then in Detroit, I haven't even said anything about this yet because we're actually signing the lease on Monday, but I'm opening a store in Detroit and it's going to be a hair store. So I'm really excited. Yes, yeah, private label extensions here. And I'm so excited to open this in Detroit. They already have a location in Atlanta that does really well. And you know, Detroit, women in Detroit love to look fly and have their hair done, nails done. Even throughout all of this, women in Detroit just do it different. So I really appreciate that. Talk to us about why it was important. And shout out to Styles P. I just got a box from Pharmacy because I support black businesses and I'm gonna take a picture in this hoodie and I'm gonna make sure that my people and I support you and BK, support you in Detroit, wherever you are. Why was it important, especially in the inner city, to have a juice bar? So it's our four year anniversary actually um, just last month. And for myself personally, I've had my own journey when it comes to health, right? And you know, it's really difficult to be on every day. Like I said, I wake up early. We're in the 10th year, 10 years of the Breakfast Club. Before that, six years at Sirius doing the morning show. So that's 16 years of early mornings. And that takes a real toll on you when you're not getting, because there's no way you're going to get enough sleep every night in that situation. And so for myself, like my health journey has been you know, I don't want to be raggedy. And I want to make sure that, especially see the effects of coronavirus in our community and black and brown people and how we don't have enough healthy options that's affordable too, because that's the point of Juices for Life is that it is affordable. It's not about, I want to make a million dollars having a juice bar. It's more like, I want to make sure that this can sustain itself and make a little bit of money. We can pay everybody well in the community that works here. But also we just want to provide a good service. Like if I could donate money to something, I would like to to open a business and not be so concerned about how much money am I making from it. Just be more concerned that this is like my donation you know, to the community. So we do a lot of things in the community. We do free HIV testing there. I do this Wealth Wednesday series there where every single month we would come in and now we're doing it virtually with actually Rocket Mortgage um, this time around. But 
we do things like that because I wanted it to be like a meeting place for people also where you feel comfortable enough that I want to go in there and get my juice, but something amazing could be happening also. So we did acting classes from this woman who's a really famous acting coach, Tracy um, Moore, and she's really dope and she came and they loved it. So things like that. I have a library in there. So there's a library and I like everything in there. I went and bought, like I found it at an antique shop. I was like, I love this library. I'm putting it in the book, in the juice bar. But things like that, like I wanted the juice bar to be a really inviting place, not like a generic looking get in and get out, but more like a, there's a sofa in the front from Restoration Hardware, a big flat screen TV, so people could chill. How do you maintain your bubbly personality and your class dealing in a male-dominated industry where it can be a dog-eat-dog world? I watch The Breakfast Club on YouTube every day. I listen when I'm in the car. And it seems like you're never having a bad day. You find a way to navigate in a male-dominated industry and put on for our culture as well as anyone. I want to congratulate you on that and ask you, how do you do it? (laughs) I think I'm really fortunate that I'm comfortable with who I am. And I know for myself, like, I have a lot of really great friends and great people around me. And I'm always, this has been a strategy that I've used. But whenever something really negative or bad happens to me, I try to do something good for somebody else. Because I do feel like when you do positive things for other people, it actually makes you feel better. It's And while I might be like, okay, that's selfish. I just did something great for someone else just to make myself feel better. I think there's no better way, you know, to, to behave. And a lot of things I do, I don't even talk about. Like I might just, somebody hits me up. I'm like, okay, let me help you. Like today, I'll give you an example. Some, some girl randomly hit me up. She's in high school and she was like, I'm supposed to, we have an assignment and we're supposed to be doing a profile on somebody. And I know this is like a reach, but I would love to interview you. I think it would be really dope. And I was like, I had my assistant hit her back. And I'm doing this right after we get off this. I'm going to do her interviews just for her class. Just because it's like something she probably never expected I would respond. But I like to do like little nice things for people. Because it it is like, I believe in karma so much. And I believe that the people who do really messed up things, they'll get their karma. I never am a vengeful person. I just sit back and, and take care of myself and don't worry about anybody else. So you're from Brooklyn. You can't do a greatest rapper of all time list. Mm-hmm. We're not mentioning Jay. Mm-hmm. We're not mentioning Big. However, I have somebody on my show that's from Brooklyn and has heard every bar that they've spit. I'm going to make you do it. Oh, God. Who you putting on number one on your list, Jay or Big? Uh, Jay-Z or Biggie? Man, that's a tough one because I'm a huge Biggie fan. I feel like the only reason that I would have to say Jay-Z is because He's had a lot more material and Biggie never had the opportunity to really do everything he could have had the opportunity to do. But everything Biggie put out was immaculate. Like he ain't have no duds. That's a hard one. I mean, I'm just going to have to say Jay-Z because Biggie never was able to reach his full potential. I agree. And when his double album came out, unfortunately, it was after he died. So Hypnotized Video was not even finished. And that still went on to be a classic. I'm going to say something about that hypnotized video. I was interning at MTV when that video came out. And I remember I was working for this guy, Fred Jordan, and Puff had um, his studio, Daddy's House. And they had a 
uh, invite only with just the guy because the guy I was working for was the one that was like the Munich music manager. So he picked the videos that came on. So I had the opportunity to see that video before anybody else did. He had a little private reception at his studio and I just, I'll never forget that. And so I had the opportunity to go with Fred, who was my boss at the time, to um, Daddy's house to watch Hypnotize before it came out. Oh, that is dope. So one more question before I let you get out of here and I got a gone in 60 seconds that I want to do with you. So you're an ambassador of the Nets. I've seen you at games. You put on for Brooklyn. You represent, you love your sports and basketball. I've been trying to petition for them to put a statue of Biggie outside of the gym, outside of Barclays. What are your thoughts on that? I would, I think that would be amazing. They're actually, they're doing a lot of stuff right, right outside the Barclays. They're doing a whole thing where people right now are signing up and filling out their census. And I love the fact that like, they've tried to make that a meeting place. You know, a lot of the protests have been gathering and starting there also. And I think even with the ownership for the Nets right now, they appreciate that and encourage it. And so I think that's really dope. I'm going to tell them you said that again. Thank you. It's really hard. So before I let you get out of here, 60 seconds I'm going to put on the clock. This segment I call Gone in 60 Seconds. It's a rapid fire where I want to try to get you to answer as many questions as possible with all honesty, if that's okay, Angela Yee. Here we go. Okay. Three, two, one. Who has been the wildest Breakfast Club guest? Ray J. Favorite current female rapper? Megan Thee Stallion. What do you miss most about New York post-COVID? Dining indoors, but that just started again. Yeah, it did, and, and the curve ain't ain't going down. It's still going up. Is there anyone you haven't interviewed that you're dying to interview? Rihanna. That's a great one. You have 15 seconds. Who's the bigger villain of 2020? People who don't wear masks or Troy Lanez? People who don't wear masks because we don't know the full story yet and a whole bunch of people done got killed because of that. <laughs> Last but not least, the most recent celebrity is sliding into your DMs. Oh, no, I don't get no celebrity DMs. <laughs> I don't. I really don't. I had to look. Like, do I get My DMs are dry. <laughs> you survived. Yay. <laughs> that was awesome. I can't wait to interview you. Look, I was looking at this again. They, yeah, got to get a people what they want. You see Any- them Tims with that outfit? Anytime. You had to wear a Tims. That's my New York influence. <laughs> And you know what I love to, you know, one of the things that you said, and I think this is so true and I agree with it, that you have to do research, right? And that's how you can really, when you want to uh, come at somebody, the best thing you can can do is have some research. And that is so absolutely true. Exactly. So thank you for your hard work and your discipline and the way you continue to put on for our culture. Thank you, Jalen, for just being the person that you are and for doing things like putting your money where your mouth is, opening the school in Detroit. I think that is so dope. And when I'm in Detroit, I got to make sure when we're able to, you know, I got to come through. Last call. Last call. I want to make sure I thank Angela Yee for joining the program. Again, we're going to be doing this every Thursday. Tell a friend to tell a friend. The Renaissance Man podcast is presented by the New York Post. Make sure to subscribe, download, leave comments, and also think about something that you wanted to get accomplished. But because you were nervous, you didn't make the necessary sacrifices to actually give your all and try it. That's what this week's show is all about. Life is short. 
And as my man Todd Shaw would say, life is too short. But being fearless is not about being afraid. It's about building up the courage to face the fear and move forward. Will Smith is one of my favorite IG follows. And we could talk about entanglement another time. But I remember seeing the video of him jumping out of a plane. And he said that that was something he always wanted to do, but he was very fearful of it. He got up the courage and he still tried it and did it. And I bring that story up because it also represents a life trait. While I love Will Smith and also I have a fear of heights, I ain't jumping out of no plane because that ain't my dream. So find what yours is and have the courage to face that fear moving forward. Remember, fear kills more things than failure ever will. I repeat, fear kills more things than failure ever will. See y'all next Thursday.